Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Indie Elixir podcast. Uh, this episode I want to talk about channels, WebSockets, Presence in Phoenix, all of those lovely real-time features that make it so nice to work with Elixir, and in particular the Phoenix framework this week. So, one of the reasons that I originally chose to learn Elixir over some other languages was that there seems to be a strong emphasis on real-time features. So those are things like concurrency, immutability, and gen servers, those kind of things all directly or indirectly make it easier to do things as close to real-time as possible. Uh, when you're doing things on a single thread, things like that, there are some things that might be blocking enough that doing things in real-time is difficult or inefficient, just doesn't perform well enough. And coming over from a language like PHP, where I was working in Laravel framework, things like that, we always had to go outside of the language or to another service uh, to do anything in real time. And that was always really frustrating to me because it's, it's uh, becoming more and more useful. Uh, the more that um, web development is about actual applications and really sophisticated stuff that, that needs that two-way interaction, um, the basic HTTP request does feel like it really limits things sometimes. So for me, at least, coming over to Elixir meant coming over to Phoenix as well. Um, now, now that I've gotten into Elixir, I don't look at it as that. I'm, I'm not writing Phoenix apps that happen to be in Elixir. I'm writing Elixir that happens to use Phoenix as the web layer. But when I was originally looking at this, that was the perspective I was used to. And I think a lot of probably... Uh, Rails devs and, and Laravel devs and other developers out there that kind of think framework first would would understand that. Um, so I was looking at it and I was seeing uh, the Phoenix channels that they had really dedicated some serious time to and turned it into such a first-class feature. They, sh they were showing off, um, I think this was actually after I started learning it, but they were showing off... Um, the two or two and a half million connections that they were doing at a time with like one reasonably sized server uh, that really impressed me. Um, but also just the fact that they had, they had created it to be as easy to use as any, anything else in the framework. You know, it was just as easy to use a channel as it was to use controllers and a regular route with an HTTP request, which was awesome to me. Uh, I'd never worked with something that was that easy before. Um, and so that, that was a big thing for me. And the fact that it, that the, the language itself has concurrency, immutability, gen servers, as I mentioned, those things all really just help to achieve those kind of goals reasonably. Uh, so with my indie project, Forte Chat, uh, there's a bunch of features that benefit quite a bit from real-time channels. I mean, the obvious one here is the main feature, video chat, which uses WebRTC to connect users peer-to-peer -peer and stream video chat between them. Um, and while WebRTC is peer-to-peer, -peer, uh, there still needs to be some signaling that goes on between each user and a server first to set that up. You can think of the server essentially acting as a matchmaker, uh, almost like if you were going to set up two friends on a blind date, they would both have to talk to you first to at least know where to show up to. Uh, and so what the signaling server does is 
it sort of coordinates everything. It does some NAT busting to get past uh, some firewalls and, and networking stuff that that uh, needs to be sorted out first. And then once it has the right info to each person, then they can connect and start directly figuring that stuff out together uh, and eventually streaming all of those things. And so WebRTC doesn't actually care or specify how you do signaling. Uh, so you could do that by emailing the details back and forth, or you could hand enter them. It, it doesn't care at all. You could copy and paste it. Um, but it sure works a hell of a lot better if you have a server to handle that and it can communicate in real time with your client. It just works much, much better that way and really saves on HTTP requests, which can be pretty heavy uh, if you have to do um, things like authentication and stuff over and over, uh, especially when there's probably quite a few of those requests that need to go through when you're signaling. So channels is a perfect, perfect solution for this. Um, so that's not the only thing that I have channels for. I also have uh, channels that handle user notifications. So I have a general user channel that's mostly used for notifications. And that's been something that I originally thought would be a fairly limited thing, but it actually is useful across the board. Whenever I need to tell the user something, uh, someone has sent you a message. There is someone waiting in your video session for you. Uh, you have one minute until your video session is supposed to start. Things like that. You can do a lot with it. And because you're connected through this sort of ever-present uh, real-time channel, it can just send those things out to you. You don't have to ask. Nothing's ever really out of date because it's all real-time. So that's really awesome. Um, I also use it for private messaging. So... The private messaging works very much like Facebook messaging, I suppose. So uh, without all the tracking and, and uh, stealing your information, apparently. But uh, what you can do is you can send a private message to someone and they'll get it. If they're not there in real time, they're not logged in, for instance, they can log in later and look at it just the same. But if they're sitting there looking at their conversations page and, and you're sitting on yours and you're messaging back and forth, they'll see it in real time as well, which is really, really nice. Uh, it lets me do things like uh, create features for providers to answer sales questions from customers and clients before they actually purchase a video session with them, which I think is actually a really important feature. Um, you know, people want to they, they wanna know what's up before they put money down. And so, you know, I thought that was, that was a really nice way to do that. Um, I also use the presence feature in Phoenix, which I have to say is incredibly easy to use, by the way. Uh, I use it to determine if someone is online, uh, which is essentially what it's meant for. Um, but later on, it'll play a larger role uh, once I add in features for providers to, uh, to allow on-demand immediate video chats as well as scheduled appointments. So... Right now, the idea is sort of someone can go on the site, find a topic they need help with, they can request uh, an appointment, they suggest some times, those get approved or, or alternative times get suggested, um, and sooner or later, it gets confirmed, it gets paid for, and at that time, they go and have the video session. Uh, but what I would also really like to have in the future, which is a little bit more complicated of a setup... Um, 
is to allow providers to basically set up times when they are online and available. And if they're available, I need to know if they're online first, so I need that presence. But I also need additional things, like I need to know, are they in a video chat right now? And so if they are, then someone can't book them. Sorry, book them isn't the right word. They can't on-demand start a video chat with them. And I just think it would be really nice to have a platform where you could log in, book someone immediately, and hit start, and it'll connect you right now with them, uh, assuming they're ready to accept that and all of those things. Um, But less of a delayed appointment and more of an immediate, I need help right now. Um, So presence will be really helpful when that happens. Um, And I can combine presence with those other other things like uh, I do use presence right now already in the video chat so that when someone comes into a video session, I can send a notification to the other user. I also do things like if they're already in the video session, uh, you know, I, I play a little uh, a dinging noise on the other user's um, audio so that they know someone's in there. And, you know, if they're not looking at their screen, they, they know that they're now connected to this person and streaming video chat, things like that. Um, just sort of nice little clues to, to help them, uh, understand that there's another person there on the other end. Uh, so presence has been really, really easy to use and a really awesome feature. I love the, the fact that it's using, um, I think it's CRDTs. I hope I have that acronym right. But, uh, the fact that they're using like some pretty complicated computer science to create something that in theory, at least, should work across, you know, a bunch of different nodes, uh, different servers, things like that. And it'll just work. Like, it just meshes together and figures itself out. That's really incredible to me. And it's really good to know that later on that could scale if I ever needed it to. Although, honestly, that's probably going to be a long time, if ever. Uh, so I'm not too worried about the scale, but it is good to know that it's it's just sort of, it's figured out and I don't have to worry about that because um, it's a really complicated problem, honestly. And so also in the future, there's a good chance that I'll add in some apps or something at some point if, if this gets any traction. So to be able to use Presence to tell if someone's on an app or on their computer, what if they're logged into both, how do we handle that? Presence has a lot of features to handle those things for you, which is really nice. Uh, so big fan of Phoenix Presence. So... In the future, I would like to make even more use of channels, even more use of real-time. Uh, one of the I, the things that I saw on the Elixir forum was uh, that the Drab library uh, a little while ago, and I just thought that that is a super cool idea. It kind of turns on its head the whole idea of and flow of front-end um, work. So usually we've got the front end and it's demanding and pulling things from the server and it basically decides what's going on and the server provides. In this case, we sort of flip that a little bit and Drab is now having the server tell the UI what to change and it's updating that through channels and WebSockets. And I think at least initially under the hood, it was using jQuery to just update DOM elements on the page. I think that's maybe been um, decoupled a little bit and now maybe it uses something else or it lets you choose what you want to use. But uh, I just thought that was really cool that I could have the server tell the client side to update something um, in, a, in a, a kind of consistent way rather than coming up with my own thing each time. 
Uh, now, I'll, I have it installed actually in Forte Chat, but I haven't used it basically because I haven't needed to do that yet. But it might just be that I needed to change my thinking on that to use that anyways. Again, in the future, I'd like to make use of channels. I would really love to see something like Turbolinks or PJAX implemented with channels. Now, I'm not totally sure that that's a great idea, partly because something like Turbolinks already sort of takes the idea of like history and a lot of the things from HTTP requests and sort of reinvents the wheel. And we have that all kind of figured out with this stuff and it works really well. But with that being said, even though maybe it's a bad idea, I still think it would be really cool to at least try it out. It would be blazingly fast is what I suspect. And if we could do things like update partials on the page, maybe use something like a virtual DOM or a shadow DOM, whatever you want to call it, um, and update things sort of on the fly like that, you could get some really powerful features out of that. Now, every once in a while, I think to myself, oh, I should start working on this, and maybe I should. I just don't have time to do it well. And to be honest, I'm not really sure that I want to be maintaining an open source uh, library like that, particularly because recently I've been seeing a lot of uh, content come out from open source providers, and it really does seem like maintaining any open source project with any level of popularity at all is a pretty thankless, awful job, to be honest. And so I really have to give kudos to the people out here who do this all the time because it is a ton of work. They work super hard. And a lot of the time, just to get complaints and and negativity back, and, and you know, I've been, I've been that, that awful person on the other side where I'm working on a client project that relies on something that I've chosen to use myself to add into the project because it makes something easier for me. And then when it doesn't do something I want or uh, it something breaks, you know, I'm, I'm putting up GitHub issues being like, how, how, how can we make this work? What's going on? And I'm upset because I'm stressed out. And it's just so incredibly unfair to the open source developer. So again, kudos to those people. I'm not totally sure that I actually want to do that right now. Maybe sometime in the future, if if uh, I have some more free time, um, I'm not so booked up with uh, with uh, my my day to day work and things like that. Uh, sorry if that's selfish. You know, I hope there <laughs> not everybody thinks the way I do because we have a lot of good things from open source developers. But personally, I just I know I wouldn't be able to do it well right now. But if anyone is out there working on this, please let me plug you in the podcast. Uh, come on if you want, whatever. Uh, I would love to. Uh, I'd love to talk about that a little bit because I think that would be a really cool idea. I know someone. Um, I think it was the developer who actually works on the coherence package, uh, the authentication package called Coherence. Um, I can't remember his name right now. Uh, so sorry if you're listening. Um, probably not. <laughs> but uh, uh, I think he had mentioned on the forums at one point that he was maybe working on on something like that uh, for an internal project. I know that he's a super busy guy. He does a, a, you know a lot in his day to day job, and then he also maintains open source, so he's working on that as well. But uh, you know, those are some things that I think would be really cool to see with with uh, the real time channels and WebSockets and stuff. I think it's something that draws a lot of people in, and we go, "Wow, this is so awesome! Look at how performant it is! Look at how much we could do!" But 
in reality, I think that we've been finding uh, a lot of people haven't been making any um, any truly new uses out of it. We tend to be using it for sort of the same things that we were using before or, or you know, the most obvious things. And that's great. I'm not saying don't do that. Obviously, do that as much as you can. But it'd be really cool to start seeing some new things as well. Um, I think there's a lot of potential here and a lot more could be done with it. So uh, that's just my thoughts on that. If you want to uh, uh, follow me on Twitter or message me on there, tell me uh, your thoughts on any of this, uh, you can get me at, uh, at pseudocodes, S-U-D-O-C-O-D-E-S, or you can email me at uh, carter at indielixir.com. Uh, I think I'll leave off here for today. This week, it was uh, it was about a week between uh, episodes. I'm actually hoping to do them a little bit more than that. I've been really swamped with work lately. I've got a lot of projects uh, um, that are on the go and a few that are kind of in launch uh, crunch time right now. So I'm a little bit busier than normal. But uh, hopefully I can get these out, uh, you know, at least one or two a week. And we'll keep going from here. So thanks for listening again, and I will see you next time.